0: Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Hey, listen, we're starting a new series today and I'm really excited about it because we're going to spend the summer in the book of Proverbs, I don't know about you, but I love the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is great because it has 31 chapters. And so what you can do is you can read one chapter a day every month. And so you just read the the chapter of the day that corresponds to the number of the chapter. So today is July 3rd, you would read Proverbs 3. Tomorrow, July 4th, you read Proverbs for, in fact, I want to encourage everybody to do that these next couple of months. If you don't have a reading plan for the summer, make the book of Proverbs your reading plan. There's so much wisdom in here. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is stated in the very beginning of it Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, it says, wisdom, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I read this as like, I want this in my life. Don't you want this in in your life? Don't you want this in my life? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yes. So I encourage you to join us every Sunday. For those of you watching online as well, come in the room if you can be with us. Uh, We're going to have a great time these Sundays in the summer we're going to be in Proverbs. But today we have a real treat for you. We have a dear friend who has been with us a few times. Some of you already know her. She is in our board of directors. She's someone that we've known for years now. I don't know how many years, but certainly more than 10 or 15 years we've known her. She came to Christ at our church in Houston, Texas, became part of our connect group. And from there, a friendship was formed and, and we've been connected ever since. Uh, she's a great friend to my wife and to our family and, and to uh, us as a family as well. And uh, she was coming to spend Fourth of July with us. And I was like, hey, if you're coming, you know what's going to happen, right? You got to share a word with the church. So she's coming to start our series. Marquis Ray Johnson, would you welcome Marquis this morning? There you go. Yeah. She's very well accomplished. I'll let her tell you her story.
1: That's not what we'll be covering this morning. (laughs) I can assure you of that. But what an honor to be in the house today. I love that we even started worship with that posture. On a, you know, a memorial or a weekend like this when we are celebrating Fourth of July and the ability to be free. I love that you all chose to freely express either a love for God or a curiosity about God and you chose to lean in this Sunday morning. And as JD and Alini said. I mean, they're my people, like ride or die. So y'all don't know it, if this is your first Sunday here, but you sit in the midst of incredible pastors. And I get to say that because I'm visiting and they can't take the mic away. Um, So if you've been coming for a while, you know this because you're a part of the fruit of their lives. But they've had the vision and the heart for this church since I knew them, which was almost 10 years ago. And getting to look out at each of you, your stories matter. And I want you to know that they prayed for your stories. They prayed for the legacy. They prayed for the revival in your heart and the revival to come in your family and the revival in this city and in this region. So as a you know member of the family, I'm honored to get to meet you. If I don't know your name yet, I'm excited to meet you after the service. And as they said, my name is Marquis, and that's really the only part of my story that matters. <laughs> I'm Marquis, and I was a ratchet 20-year-old, and I met Alini in my first small group. And she shared the love of Jesus with me in a way that compelled me to want to love him. So if you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, my life's a little ratchet right now, that is okay. They specialize in that. Or if like JD was introing this series, Words to the Wise, if you would count yourself as wise, you've been walking with the Lord for a while, welcome as well, because we know that God is always doing new, fresh things in our midst. And I love that even about the name of this I don't know if I'd consider myself wise, but I certainly can appreciate when I'm in the presence of someone who carries wisdom. Right now I live in the great state of Texas. We're a little bit like a country in and of ourselves, and I'm reminded of that whenever I come back up to the Northeast. Um, And we have a lot of intellectual people in Austin. I just came from the Boston area, so I've been around a lot of really smart people. There's something that happens in a room when someone walks in with wisdom. You can be in the presence of intellect and knowledge, which is a beautiful thing. It's God-given. But y'all know what I mean whenever you're in the presence of somebody wise? You lean in a little differently. You engage a little bit differently. And I love that even as they set you know, the charter for this next two months of unpacking Proverbs, they are speaking that into your life, whether you consider yourself wise or not. The name of the series is Words to the Wise. So there is a wisdom on your life There is a wisdom to come through walking with God. And and this series with Proverbs is really an invitation for all of us to step into that. So I'm expectant. I'm going to be doing Proverbs with you guys, no matter what part of the country I'm in. Um, So I pray that you come expectant. And what I love about this too is, and this is a passage for later, but in Psalms 19, there is a promise that the testimony of the Lord gives experience to the inexperienced. So know that as we talk about Proverbs, as we go through these 31 chapters that bring wisdom, where there is an experience, you can feel shored up because it's a testimony of the one that is faithful. Because the testimony of who God is is what allows us to step into wisdom, even though we maybe haven't walked through certain things yet. And I love that about God, because life, I don't know about y'all, but it certainly throws some (laughs) curveballs Maybe your life is going exactly according to plan. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Okay, we've got one super faithful, highly favored woman in the front. I'd encourage you, to go shake your hand after. It is a rarity. Oftentimes, life throws curveballs. And this is where the wisdom of the Lord from Scripture is so game-changing because it gives us a sure foundation. And J.D. already kicked off the series, but in Proverbs nine ten, I just want to reiterate that it is the fear of the Lord that brings about wisdom. And sometimes when, I don't know about y'all, when I read the word fear, I'm like, ooh. But I thought Jesus was love. And I just wanna sit in this mushy moment with him. Fear of the Lord is a healthy thing. There is an element of God as creator of the universe that should naturally make us step back and have a level of reverence. But there's a fear of the Lord that comes from being in awe of who he is. And so that's the invitation that I think that we have. And here, as we unpack Proverbs, what I love about it is it's an opportunity to learn more about who God is. And as we lean into who He is, we'll come into a place of awe with His beauty, the way that He creates. Um, Wisdom in Hebrew is hakma, and if you speak Hebrew, I'm sorry if I didn't say that right. But really, the beautiful thing, and as you read Proverbs, I pray that you catch this because it's threaded throughout. Wisdom is a part of the creativity of God. God doesn't want us walking around confused, walking around without a plan, walking around without clarity. The Bible says that the Lord is a lamp on our feet and a light on our path. So it's a part of the creativity of God that he would pour out a wisdom. And you'll see wisdom calling out all throughout the Proverbs. It's a dialogue between the wise and the foolish. And you should all take heart this morning because you're in service, which means you are choosing the wise camp at least for the hour that we're here. You know, you're responsible for what you do post-service. But I love that wisdom from God is valuable, and wisdom from God is practical. That's probably my favorite part of Proverbs. It's like, y'all, I am not a theologian, but you don't have to be one to understand the practical wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So let me pray for us, and then we are going to unpack our first key takeaway from this amazing book. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that your presence is already felt in this place. We're thankful, God, that you are a way maker, that you are the God who gives the inexperienced wisdom, that you are the God who speaks clearly to us through these powerful words written thousands of years ago. And we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. So we thank you as we lean into these principles. They ring just as true on July 3rd, 2022, as they did when they were written down originally. So God, we have hope in that. We take heart in that. In a world that is ever-changing, God, we thank you that you are constant. So we pray as we continue to dive into this book that you would illuminate our minds. God, I pray for hearts that are ready to receive what you have this morning. I thank you, Lord, as you waken us to truth, that we will be equipped to walk it out in our Monday through Saturday. God, I thank you that what you're doing in this place does not end here on a Sunday but you are waking us up to go be salt and light to the city of Stamford and beyond. So we love you, Jesus. We give you this time, and we pray this in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Okay. So I'm really excited and a little bit nervous, because anytime you share about a topic, it means that God is really going to press you. Um, so the topic, as we dive into Proverbs, there's a lot of different themes, but we are going to go there talking about the power of our words. Yeah. Yeah. You communicate a lot with your words. Now, you communicate a lot with your body language, but there are some specific biblical principles when it comes to the power of our words that once we come awake to it and we understand it, it really can chart a different path for us. And that's a different path in your relationships, a different path in your workplace, a different path in what you're hoping to see God do one, six, 12 months down the road. Our words carry weight, family. And what I also love is I was praying about this, not just that we're going to unpack words, but I don't know if y'all know this. This Sunday is the 27th Sunday of the year. You guys are like, who cares? How many of you set out in the beginning of the year to see God do something powerful in your life? Prayerfully, all of you. And if you didn't, welcome to the halfway mark. I'm not going to sing for you, but we are halfway there. You all can. You guys know the song. And this is New England. Oh, living on a prayer. I know. This is why I know my lane. Aline and I were talking about it this morning. I don't do worship. But family, we are halfway there. We are halfway through 2022. And I, I feel so privileged that I would get the opportunity to spur us on at this halfway mark. Whatever the first half of your year looked like does not mean that's what the second half of your year has to look like. And if you are riding a high for the first half, we say yes and amen to an even greater second half to your year. But what a moment that God's given us today to pause and reflect. Does your year look the way that you thought it was going to look? And if it doesn't, take heart. And what I love about this moment is as we unpack the power of words, it's an opportunity to evaluate, okay, the first half of the year Did I steward those moments the way God would have had me steward them? Did I interact with those coworkers the way God would have had me interact with them? Did I chirp back at my boss in a way that shows wisdom or foolishness? What about my spouse or my children? So this is an opportunity to evaluate the weight of our words. So this is the core principle for this morning. Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death are in the power of our tongue. Now, for some of us, that's incredibly convicting because if we're honest, our words betray our heart. For some of us, that is life-giving because there's a lot that we can't control, but we can control what comes out of our mouths. Regardless of which camp you're in, the truth holds the same. Life and death are in the power of our tongues. And of course, we need to anchor this in Jesus. Um, The Bible is consistent from beginning to end. So in Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, this is Jesus. He says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people, meaning you and I, will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Do you guys see why I was like, are you sure you want to talk about words, Jesus? Because if I look at the first half of my year, I can pinpoint moments when life got really hard, and I didn't speak life over a situation at work, or I didn't speak life over my sibling, or I didn't speak life over a friend. And instead, what God was working on in the inside of me came out in my words, and instead of speaking life, I spoke death. And because we have authority in earth in the name of Jesus, our words carry weight. So this is super convicting for me, and I pray it is for you as well, but there's hope, I, pr- I promise you guys. Are like, this is really sad on a day of independence. But it is fascinating that this is the holiday weekend where we celebrate freedom. And we have the freedom in this incredible country to express ourselves in words. So, people of God, what are you expressing? Are you expressing hope over your workplace? Are you speaking life over the city? Before I moved to Texas. I was, had the opportunity to be a part of an incredible church plant in the south coast of Massachusetts. And the city where we launched a church, when that city name came up, it's called New Bedford Mass, everyone outside of New Bedford was so quick to speak death over the city. The city has some of the highest poverty rates in the state, some of the most drug usage, gang violence, sex trafficking, drugs, it's bad. From a natural lens, but we knew that the Holy Spirit had called us there. So when people would speak death, we would speak life, and it was this very counterintuitive thing. But can I testify to you eight years later? The church is thriving. They're baptizing drug dealers next to city officials. They're seeing families and generations change, just like we get to see here in Canuck community. We get to see littles being born into households that didn't know Jesus before this church came to be. So are we using our words to speak life over what God wants to do and partner with him, or are we speaking death in agreement with what the world would say? It's worth being challenged, because the reality, family, is that our words create worlds. So what worlds are you creating? And this isn't a weird New Age ideal. This is a biblical principle. I love to bring up the workplace, so... I've had the opportunity in the city of Austin. I've been in the tech world for almost a decade, and God has a sense of humor. Um, This time last year, he called me out of corporate to work for a church, which some of you are like, that sounds cool. For me, it was upside down, right side up. I loved being in corporate because I love working with people who don't know Jesus. When God gives you a heart for the mission field, that is your job. It can be really hard to transition out. But I transitioned out so that I could help launch a ministry to allow people to connect and integrate these critical places of their world, which is their faith, with their day job. And I couldn't have known it at the time, but there was a testimony God was building in me over the course of my my time in corporate in Boston and, and Texas. I got to travel all over the world, and I got to see him do amazing things because he convicted me really quick when my words were ridiculous. He convicted me really quick when I was dealing with a coworker that didn't know Jesus yet, and I was quick to judge her based on a worldview that she doesn't even have. So I wanna challenge you, because workplace is really the vein that I'm in. Raise your hand if you have a day job. Great. If you're an au pair, it counts. Everybody has a job. God wants to use your words to speak life over your coworkers in a way they have never encountered before. Nothing confounds the world more than words spoken in love when you have every right to react in the opposite way. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at. May our words not be idle. But I love that your workplace is your mission field. And that's why when we anchor ourselves in the truth, it's threaded all throughout Proverbs. We know that God's going to show up. And I just want to take a second and, and remind you, whether you like your day job or not, God's placed you there for a purpose. The majority of Jesus' miracles and testimony in the New Testament was actually done in the marketplace, not the synagogue. So as we go through these next two principles and then we wrap our time, I would ask that you think through, who's a coworker that needs Jesus? And I can promise you when we talked about words, life, and death, somebody probably came to mind. Somebody who really challenges you in your faith. Somebody who really presses you and makes it evident whether or not you're going to be Jesus that day. Or am I the only one with tough coworkers? I work for a church, so it's kind of like, ooh, yeah, I think they're all saved, but you never know. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking, you guys. But it is, it is a serious question, because God has placed you there for a purpose. So the second principle we know that our words carry life and death. Proverbs also gives us guidance that oftentimes less is more. I'm a wordy person. I love to process externally, but Proverbs challenges me in this. It says in Proverbs 10:19, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But the one who controls his lips is wise. And then Proverbs 21:23, says, the one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. If you think about some of the toughest moments with people in your lives, oftentimes that conflict was ushered in because of our words. You can insult someone with a look, especially if you know your family members. We all have that look. But nine times out of ten, it's words that we've chosen to spoken, Chosen to speak. You guys get it. You guys get it. But this, this is a principle that really wrecks me. Like, we can't regret something that we never said. And oftentimes, when I look at relationships where there's the deepest offense, it's because of words that were exchanged carelessly. So family, sometimes less is more, and Proverbs shows us this. It also demonstrates that there's a time to speak, and there's a time for silence. Proverbs eleven twelve 12, in the second half says... A man with understanding keeps silent. And I don't know if you've read the story of the walls of Jericho in Joshua 6. The people of God are just crossing over into the promised land, and they are they're ready and expectant to take the city because this is their first stop on the way to what God has promised them. And then God gives them the guidance, if you know the story, to walk around the city once a day for six days. Were they talking? No, God gives them the guidance, be silent, walk around the city and then go wait and then do it again day two and then do it again day three and then do it again day four and do it again day five and do it again day six and on day seven, walk around the city seven times and then when the trumpet blasts, give a loud shout and it was their obedience and the timing of speech that allowed them to partner with God for those walls to come down in a way that was supernatural. It made no sense in the natural, but God gave them a directive. For six days, I want you to stay silent, and then on the seventh day at my prompting, I'm going to partner with your your sound, and we're going to do something that the world is still talking about. They are still excavating and, and wrestling with how is this even possible, I wonder if there's an area of your life that God's saying, if you'll just trust me and stay silent and then speak when I prompt you to speak, watch what I'll do. He's good like that. Alini reflected that for us earlier when she was talking about the Psalms, that God is our refuge, that he is our stronghold. He is our defender. And if we really believe that that's who he is, because we sang it, he's our way maker. I'm wondering if your trust level with him is high enough to stay silent when you want to speak, to not rise up and defend yourself when God is like, wait, I'm doing something. Because in due season, he will have you open your mouth and then he'll do something you couldn't even have thought to pray for. When I read that story, I'm like, that is just ridiculous. Six days of silence? I mean, an hour is hard for me. But to be obedient enough to march around something they were believing God to do, and then at his perfect timing, give a shout. I'm like, God, I want to be a part of a move like that. I want to see revival like that. I want to see you break down a wall where the world says there's no way you can penetrate it. The walls of Jericho were impossible. They were not only tall, they were thick. And their obedience to give voice when God said to do it unleashed a miracle. And I love that the story of Esther is like that as well. She heard about this genocide that was about to happen to the people of God. And instead of rushing into the king, because there's urgency, she wouldn't have wanted to wait. She was obedient to pray, to fast, to rally the people of God and wait. And then on the third day, she boldly approached the throne of the king And then God gave her words, and God gave her favor. And because of that perfect timing to share, he saved the people of God from a genocide. You may not be in the presence of a king right now, advocating on behalf of a people about to be killed through genocide, but I can promise you there's a move of God at your workplace or a move of God in your home that he wants to partner with you on. And he's like, if you'll just seek my face, if you'll just pray and fast and wait, be okay in that space of silence, I will prompt you and I will go with you. I love Moses's prayer. He says, God, I don't want to go if you don't go with me. May that be our posture with our words. God, I don't want to speak if it's not your word. And that takes a discipline and a trust, but I can promise you he's faithful. And then the last principle as we look at the guidance in Proverbs with our words is that kind words change worlds. So Proverbs 16.24 says that pleasant words or kind words are a honeycomb. They're sweet to the taste and health to the body. Proverbs 16.21, just before that, says pleasant speech increases learning. And this pleasant is a sweetness of lips. There's a kindness in the word. And when we're kind with our words... It's not just good for our body, but it's good for the bodies of those around us. It's that same principle of life and death. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? And the beautiful thing, because not, you know, we're talking about really being sensitive with our speech and being thoughtful with our words, but there is a freedom over your speech when you are declaring the goodness of God. There is a freedom over your speech when you're talking about the goodness of Jesus. There is a freedom over your language when you're unleashing hope and life. God doesn't hold those things back. And we get the opportunity every day to choose, every interaction to choose. Which one am I gonna be counted in? To finish the thread with our workplace, I think our workplace, honestly, is the perfect testing ground for everything in our heart. We have tough coworkers. Whether you love your job and you are on the height of your career, or you're just starting, or you're in a job that you feel like is a dead-end job, God uses every interaction with your coworkers, with your boss, with leadership. Maybe you are the boss with the people that report under you to help sharpen and refine and deal with the things in our heart. But I wanna encourage you around, not but, I wanna encourage and spur you on around the power of your words to reveal Jesus. Romans 10, 14 and 15, I think is one of the most challenging passages in all of scripture. And this is the reflection. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Oftentimes we hear the phrase, you know, share Jesus and if necessary, use words. Yes, be salt and light, but you're going to have to talk about Jesus at some point. People aren't just going to naturally come to that conclusion. And this is an invitation for us to be, to be that bringer of good news. Right now, I'm at a workplace in the central part of Texas. I can't show up to your job in Stanford tomorrow or tonight if you're clocking in, but you can. The people that you work with may never step foot through these doors. Most probably won't, but they get to see you every day? Are your words bringing a good news? Is your posture bringing a good news? Or if they found out that you were in church, would they say, I thought so. They're one of those Christians. Or they'd just be shocked. And this is not meant to be a message of condemnation. But this is a half a year check-in. Crazy aunt from Texas, we're going to go there. If we walk around Stanford, if we visit you at your job or with your family, are your words bringing life or are they bringing death? And y'all, the beauty in this is God is not surprised at our words so far this year, but may we have a faith to speak words that puts him in a state of awe by the end of the year. And then the last piece is, okay, so I understand my words matter, but, but how do I make changes? The Bible also gives us guidance for that. In Proverbs 16, 23, it says, A wise heart instructs its mouth and increases learning with its speech. And Jesus really gets to the root of where our words come from. He says in Matthew 15, 18, But out of the mouth the heart speaks. So this morning, if you would give me the privilege, I want to pray for our hearts. Because, again, the people in our lives, good, bad, difficult, easy, They're all placed there to help God reveal the things in our heart so that we can deal with it to walk out the mission and the calling on our lives. Again, you're all here this morning because you clearly want a hope. You want a calling. You want a purpose. Why go through life without bringing Jesus into every area of it? So this is an invitation for all of us to grow. Proverbs is an invitation for the the inexperienced to become wise and the wise to become that much wiser what a beautiful principle the word of god never comes back void so let's pray for our hearts i would ask you to stand and as you guys stand so in psalms 19:17 i talked about the testimony of the lord is trustworthy making the inexperienced wise but the first half of that passage says the instruction of the lord is perfect reviving the soul We've been praying for revival over this area of the country. We will continue to pray for revival over the area of this country. But revival will not pour out unless it starts within us first. So as I was praying for you this morning, Connect Community, and I hadn't really meditated on the first half of that passage. It was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit like hits you like with a two by four. And he's like, I want you to tell them that I will revive their soul that these words that I'm inviting them into exploring in Proverbs will be a refreshment. We can't give what we don't have. So let me pray for our hearts this morning. Amen. And if you're comfortable, I just invite you to extend your hands or open your hands or do something that shows God I'm open. Holy Spirit, we are open to you this morning. We are so thankful that it is your words that give us life, that it is your words that deposit hope. It is your word, Jesus, that reveals your love. It is your kindness that compels us to repentance. So God, we would ask that you would examine our hearts this morning and this time. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing in our lives that needs to remain hidden from you, God, We thank you there's nothing in our hearts that you don't already know and that you don't already see. So we pray, Lord, right now that you would minister to those deep places. God, we repent when we have used our words needlessly, when we have used them loosely, when we have misused them and spoken death over someone who bears your image or over your house or over our workplaces, God. We repent, Lord, and and we say, would you anoint our lips freshly this morning? Would you give us your words to speak life over our families and life over this city, life over our work and life over our homes and life over this church, God? And we thank you, Lord, that that as you dig up these areas of our heart that our mouth betrays, Lord, that that you are faithful to give us a new heart, that just as we prayed this morning, God, you mark our hearts with who you are. We are marked for you. So we declare this morning, Lord, that our hearts are yours. We thank you for the good, hard work of being refined. And we thank you, Lord, that you would choose us, God, that you would choose us and our words to partner with you, to partner with what you want to see done in this city and in this region and in our lives, God. So would you stir us up, Holy Spirit? Would you revive our souls this morning? Would you remind us that the testimony of who you are through the book of Proverbs is truthful? That you are faithful, God, that you are refuge. That as we lay down these areas of life, Lord, we are not vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. We are fortified and built up. We rebuke the lies, God, that we need to use our words to tear down others to advance. We thank you, Lord, that the first will be last, that we will be a people who are peacemakers, that our words will speak life. And God, we thank you that at the end of 2022, Lord, we will see growth in your name, Jesus. We will go from glory to glory or a valley to a mountaintop, God, even if it is solely in our quiet time with you, God, we rejoice in that. So we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this moment of getting to evaluate the state of our hearts and the state of our words, God. And we thank you that you are teaching us, that you are pouring out a wisdom. And I thank you, Lord, for every man and woman in this place, every man and woman online, God, would you just remind them that you have called them to be wise, that it is the wisdom from you that confounds the world. So we say yes and amen to your plans, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We give you our hearts, our words, our minds, our whole being today. We resubmit ourselves to you, Jesus, and we just love you. Do with us as you will. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, church. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.